0: And welcome to the Auto Movie Podcast. I'm Chris Ratcliffe, I'm with Marty Spain, and in this podcast we talk about cars in films and TVs and online and all that good stuff. Yes, I said TVs, I don't know why. On a packed episode tonight, we have what...
1: Oh, see, you're taking a leaf out of Tim Gray's book there <laughs> um, for listeners of Midweek Motorsport. We've got so much stuff on this episode. We've got a review of the Grand Tour's latest a Massive Hunt. We have a quick chat on the last episode of Road to Tillamon Season 2. We've got a big list of viewing things for you to watch over Christmas after you've stuffed your face with turkey and Christmas pudding. <laughs> uh, and then we have our theme for the show, which uh, we will reveal later in the episode. But right now, Let's have a chat about a massive hunt.
0: All diction very clear and well practiced in this episode. Yeah, that's because I had to edit the last show where I
1: actually swore <laughs> and then had to cut it. So, hands up if anyone spotted that edit. <laughs> um, I worked very hard to try and disguise my mistaking the letter C for the
0: letter H. So, massive hunt, which is the latest from. I was going to say from, from Grand Tour. I think officially it's al- it's along with um, Seaman as Grand Tour Presents, colon.
1: ...season or in season four on the Prime app and on the Prime website. But this is a Grand Tour Presents Seaman, a Grand Tour Presents A Massive Hunt... Or I think, as they said on their promos, last year we gave you semen, now we give you a massive hunt.
0: <laughs> so this sees the three protagonists of Grand Tour on the... They keep calling it Reunion Island. It's spelled Reunion. Reunion Island in the... There's a, Island. I think
1: there's, there's an accent or some
0: kind of thing. Reunion is how you say it. Ah, with a Focus RS a Caterham R320 and a Bentley Continental GT, and they go on an adventure to find buried pirate treasure.
1: <laughs> yeah, this the concept for this is high and very silly and... Uh... We we've I've seen this once. I don't know if you've seen it more times. Um, a couple of friends have texted in with their reviews, which are kind of middling to average. Um, I said in my kind of one-sentence review that it is good in parts, but overall, it's nothing special. You know what
0: this feels like? And I mean this in, in the best way. It reminds me a bit of Die Another Day, because if you watched a lot of Grand Tour and Top Gear as we have and as we... Still do. Still do. <laughs> whenever I'm bored or ill <laughs> or breathing. There's always a... um, There's always a rigor that seems to go with it and there is a challenge of some sort which has a resolution. Now, whenever there is a challenge that is the Top Gear presenters versus... Geography versus the weather versus something that's out of their control. It becomes the story of how they then overcome that challenge. The times when it is more contrived than that, and I realise that all TV is naturally contrived, when it's a let's go to India to, pr- pre- uh, to promote British business. Uh, It doesn't always go terribly well. And I think this really falls into that too contrived, too, oh, it's just too knowing. You're right. It's it's absolutely
1: on a par with the India special for something that probably sounded good in someone's head or over a few pints in the pub. And before you know it, you're there on reunion with three cars and you've got to do it. Mm. And without spoiling it please go and watch it because yes. it, it is as ever exceptionally well made beautifully shot and there are parts of it that harken back to the best of the challenges with the the three amigos there's there's some awesome cars they're not actual complete junkers here there's a bentley continental gt which i very much coveted in its original form <laughs> before it gets modified spoiler alert it gets modified but you can see that in the trailer um it's it's just it doesn't have the we need to get to a place and we are against the geography or mm. we need to get to somewhere and we don't know how to like the vietnam special it is like you say it's too contrived it's too silly it's it's asking the team to do more acting than I think they ever should. <laughs> yes, that's and very And that, true. for me, doesn't work. However, and I don't want to bog down into, into this because it will be here forever. Mm. It's enjoyable, but it faded for me towards the end. As they get closer to the thing that they are trying to do, Yep. Finding this pirate treasure, which you clearly know is absolute rubbish. You start <laughs> losing interest because you know it's absolute rubbish. Mm. The good stuff for me is in the first third to half of it. And after that, I get a little bit bored. Things that did jump out at me, though. This must be the first either episode of Top Gear or episode of The Grand Tour, where someone drops an F-bomb and it's not bleeped. Oh, there's a... I think I've mentioned before now, you can download episodes of Top Gear from the iTunes store, which are uncensored. The uh, the one where um, May and Clarkson rescue Hammond from the top of a Canadian mountain. If you get the iTunes version, it's totally uncensored. And Hammond is fripping livid. <laughs> he is dropping F-bombs and C-bombs <laughs> everywhere. And it's awesome. But these were went out on BBC, so of course they were all bleeped in some instances the bleeping makes it funnier but in this no the cursing makes it bigger because it is big and it is clever but this is the first <laughs> time i think i've seen you know the Grand tour goes out with you know, the odd shit and so mm. on but this is the first time i've heard any of the presenters drop an f-bomb and it's the first time i can remember these three having to abandon a car yep again we're going slightly spoilery there The one of the cars doesn't make it the newer lineup of of Harris and um, McGuinness and, and Freddie Fintoff, yeah. I can never remember the surnames, but the new lineup they've had a couple of challenges, I think, where they've had to leave cars behind. But this is the first time I think the classic lineup, um, doing, doing Grand Tour have had to leave a car behind. That was interesting. Mm. It's always fun seeing content from them, but I get the feeling that their heart's not in it so much now, mm. specifically James May. I, I'm not convinced we will see too many more of these before all of them decide they are ready to do something else. You know, Clarkson's a farmer now yep. that occasionally makes TV shows. <laughs> and you know Hammond and May are more just doing their own TV content with Hammond doing engineering shows. James May's O Cook show which on Prime, which is a brilliant show. I loved it. I mean of the three, when he's not doing car-based stuff, he's by far and away my favourite broadcaster mm. because Clarkson doesn't do anything else, unfortunately. When Clarkson does something serious, um, there's a couple of his World War Two feature documentaries that you can find on YouTube that are excellent, like really excellent. When he's being serious at a subject he's passionate about, he's brilliant, but he doesn't do it very often, presumably because he doesn't want to or need to, and now
0: he's too busy digging tractors out of mud he is doing a show on amazon about his farming escapades which is um which has been talked about but there's no details about it that as far as i know have come out which is
1: called i bought the farm yes which is such a great title and i'd love to see it but
0: perhaps it's you know it takes time to make this because farming takes time we should also talk about talking of jeremy clarkson's farm the amazing range of merchandise you can get from Diddly Squat Farm. Yes, there's
1: there's a T-shirt that says Speed and Power with a picture of a tractor on it, which I want very much. <laughs> but you can also get, um, there's a, a pack of many things, which again just appeals to me enormously because they've just picked up Clarkson Phrases, uh, which has a bunch of stuff, including a candle that smells like his bollocks. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: And we're not joking, you can go and look at it on Diddly Squat Farm Shop, that is exactly what it says on the side of the candle, which makes me sort of curious, but also not willing to waste however much it
0: costs in ordering (laughs) one. A couple of things I I did notice about this. One is that these two, two, well, this and Seaman were actually co-productions, so... The first three series of Grand Tour were a W Chomp and Sons production, so Andy Willman and James May and Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond. For these two specials, they've brought in another production company, which to me says that either they're looking to share the risk or they need to bring in somebody to provide some extra investment or something. There's something going on there and it's become this sort of joint production. Maybe Amazon aren't putting in as much money. Maybe Amazon are taking them on spec rather than commissioning them outright. The other thing I noticed was both this and Seaman don't have a script editor attached to the credits. Now, we know, and if you haven't read and on that bombshell, you absolutely should, Richard Porter has been involved from Grand tour to way back through top gear and what have you and, and was i think one of the people that could bring an extra element to the uh, to the writing on the show he's not there but also nobody has replaced him which says to me that probably jeremy clarkson's picking up a lot of the writing and people are sort of writing their own links and what have you i don't think richard porter ever did the do you remember those top gear dvds they did there's the ultimate road trip Yes, which yes, were I bit, see where you're going with this. Which were a bit baggy and, and indulgent.
1: Yes. Um, the, the the concept was always a bit, it was not quite there. They were there and it felt sort of like a pirate knockoff of Top Gear.
0: Mm. Um,
1: even though it had the same people in it, it didn't feel quite right. Because, so, you know, sometimes it would be Clarkson and Hammond, sometimes it would be Clarkson and James May, and they didn't have the same level of production. They didn't have the same music. Mm. They didn't always have the same rigor applied to them. And you're right. They felt a bit baggy and a bit indulgent. And that is exactly how you would describe both semen and um, a massive hunt. They are baggy and self-indulgent. The three guys have earned the right to be baggy and self-indulgent at this point. And, you know, Amazon, I think are still happy with the stuff, you know, the the stuff they put out. It, It, gets eyeballs on the Amazon Prime app, which is entirely why they paid them all the money to come to Amazon in the first place. Mm. And uh, seemingly everyone's everyone's happy. I just wish it were a little tighter and perhaps a little less
0: silly. It needs a reboot, but I don't think it's Top Gear that needs a reboot. I think it is, it's almost having something that is central and is totemic, that will become the thing that is new and is fresh. Whatever the platform is and however that comes about and whoever does it, And I really hope that there is something out there, which we haven't seen, that will make an impact and we'll kind of go, wow, this is a new voice. This is a new approach. This is not what we're traditionally used to. And that can really just shake it up and kind of, not that there is a problem with, what those three guys do, because I still really enjoy it. I still think it's really funny. But it's been like that now for so long that there has to be the next wave coming through. It's starting to become too familiar.
1: And, you know, my wife stopped watching Top Gear with me because she got bored of the same old, same old. Mm. Um, And the new series she's started to watch again because it's new people. And okay, sometimes yeah. they repeat bits of the same formula and so on, but they're doing different things and it's new and different and therefore she'll watch it with me and laugh along and, and have a good time where she didn't do for the, you know, the older um, the older series, the sort of late teens and early 20s of the Clarkson, Hammond and May era of Top Gear. And like it or not, they set this, they defined this kind of TV content. Mm. And it's going to be astonishingly hard to do something different that doesn't riff on something they've done. You're right, maybe someone is going to come along and do it, but I am not sure that there's anything out there that they haven't already done or thought of. <laughs> um yep. you know that's why Car Trek was such a, a delight because it was exactly the same as old Top Gear, but with different voices, with different um Different likes and so on, but they stuck slavishly, and I think quite wisely, to the Top Gear format of a three-car road trip challenge, for example. And that works really well. And um, I think the way forward is to take the old format, but with new people, which brings us on to... (laughs) The big list of stuff that's coming out over Christmas and New Year for you all to watch, which includes mm. Top Gear USA with the UK's Jethro Bovington,
0: hey, or as he's in the trailer, Jethro Bovington. Isn't he just called the Brit? <laughs> the Brit, yeah, he is no no, it's very X Factor in the uh, in in the voiceovers. It's brilliant. Is he called the Pro? I can't remember. It, it's the Brit, A.K.A. the Pro. I think think they're trying to get a bit like the hustle. I
1: I don't know. It seems weird seeing Jethro that we've kind of known for a long time from... Evo and Driver's Republic and all of the the work he's done, you know, both written and then moving to on camera. It's kind of weird to see him sort of in Hollywood land, as it Mm. were. Uh, But I am very much looking forward to Top Gear USA, the new incarnation. I like the old one with Rutledge Wood and Adam Ferrara and Tanner Faust. I've got a big soft spot for that era of Top Gear USA, but I'm here for the new one. Uh, It comes out on January the 28th. 29th on Motor Trend. January 29th on Motor Trend, which we always tell people to get. Uh, I have actually let my subscription lapse because I changed my card and forgot to sign up for a, or forgot to change my details in the app. So I'm going to resubscribe to catch this. Uh, But there's also some other stuff that's on there that's worth checking out. The uh, Pikes Peak on the edge mm. film that's um there's a trailer for it on facebook and we'll link that in the show notes but that looks really good a really fascinating look into what it's like to race at pike's peak what else have we got on the christmas list chris
0: we've got on itv in the uk uh the evo car of the year comes to a two-part documentary on i on uh itv it's the it's the 22nd and 23rd of december so it's as we record this it's next week so it's in the run-up to christmas i think it's a two one-hour part documentary that's pretty interesting because previously Evo have you know they've done the
1: videos internally if they've done a video at all um and some years they've not done it for budgetary reasons and some years they've done it and they've been they've been excellent some years they've done it and they've been less than excellent but I'm fascinated to see this because presumably it's a behind the scenes documentary about the making of the ecot and this being 2020, there's all sorts of social distancing and all sorts of other things that change the way that these things go. You know, discussions can't be had around the bar with a pint quite the same way. And mm. I don't know. I mean, I've been on road tests before, and I'm very interested to see what this dock is like. I mean, two hours is is a lot of content. But this year's Evo car of the year, which I think you can still buy, yep. um, is a real return to form. I thought it was excellent. It's like pretty much half the issue. So if you haven't had the pleasure of catching up with the Evo boys um, recently and you maybe fancy a bit of reading rather than watching, <laughs> then please go and pick up an issue because I I love this is one. It's gone into my collection of car of the year issues. I don't <laughs> tend to keep Evo magazine because otherwise I'd have no shelves left,
0: uh, but I do keep the car of the years and this one's gone on the shelf for, future perusal <laughs> we've also got Car Trek have a Christmas special coming out I'm guessing again on uh, the Tavares channel it is on Tavares channel comes out next week next week oh fantastic um, if you subscribe to motorsport.tv there is a documentary called On the Line all about the history of the race of champions with various um, interviews and various commentary from sort of various people that have been involved over the year I'm which, interested in that. I don't subscribe to
1: motorsport TV, but I, if they've got stuff from the old international race of champions, which was proper and had you know, like rallying and all sorts and was mm. done over a much bigger course than some horrible
0: grotty bit of tarmac laid down in a football stadium. <laughs> um, it, it does talk about... The documentary draws on three decades of rock assets, so I think this is them mining the uh, Duke Archive again, which, again, is also... If you do have a motorsport TV subscription, go and delve into the Duke Archive on there because you will end up, as I said in, in a previous episode of this, you will end up watching like the, like the 1998 Spa 24 Hours highlights or something absolutely bizarre. And it's just this rabbit warren of fantastic old motorsport. We should also talk about, very briefly, Travis Pastrana does the Hoonigan takeover where... An absolutely bonkers Subaru meets an absolutely bonkers driver and is a a fantastic, almost, I was going to say antidote. It's kind of, um, it's the Ken Block, but different format. So all the stuff you know from Ken Block with some incredible high-speed, rather bonkers driving in it, well worth a watch.
1: This felt to me like a return to the original Jim Carner the first one that Ken Block did with the first Impreza Mm. where he's doing it in a hangar and he's whizzing around the airfield on, you know, really the the thing that set him on this jim Carner, hoonigan journey really and this felt like a bit of a throwback to that and and i really enjoyed it there's a bit of you know getting red bull involved with with planes and other and other mm. bits of bobs there's a lovely moment where where pastrana gets a whole wheel off the edge of a dock yes. where ken ken block has kind of it just hanging on for grip but is like no i'm just going to hang the whole wheel over <laughs> the edge that was really cool. Although they showed it about 50 different camera angles and I got bored after a while. Including started looking for the GoPro to see where it got smashed.
0: Yes, you, you can see it. I think there's actually maybe footage of a GoPro being hit by a spinning tyre. It's brilliant. It's well worth a watch. And like you say, it's, it is a proper, enjoyable, just... Blast if you like cars going very fast, very sideways in a very, very noisy fashion. Oh, and the highlight is looking at the expression that Travis Pastrana wears
1: at all times. (laughs) Ken Block just had focus face. Like he had the motor racing driver face of just focus, and he did not look faced by the stuff at all. Travis Pastrana looks terrified by all of it, even while he's, you know, pedaling the car and pulling the handbrake and everything. His facial expression says, I'm going to crap myself now. um there's also a great back uh behind the scenes video about the subaru wrx sti that is built for the gymkhana uh 862 horsepower from a flat four uh yep. some crazy movable aero um it's it's a wild looking car and i recommend having a, a a watch of that if you're interested in what goes into building a car that will do those
0: kinds of things speaking of extreme cars as well clunk clank there's a gear in there somewhere It <laughs> is this a, trying to get engineer a link well done yes um this week saw the last episode in this season of michael fassbender's road to le mans i think it's called yes i, I, I think that it- name wrong
1: it's I think it's Red to Le Mans. I don't know. I watched it today. I should know. <laughs> yes, this is the last one of this season, and it wraps up following him through a season of ELMS. So this is coverage of just the final race at mm. the ELMS season finale, uh, again, which works quite well. It's a 20-minute episode covering just the whole, just the one race, and it shows both how far he's come and how f- much he's still got to learn um it kind of follows on from previous episodes where he's he's clearly come on a step from from the previous year but he's still got a lot to learn about mm. racing at this level of competition um it's a great another great watch he's still incredibly honest uh, i wish he'd stop taking his top off because he makes me feel so inferior <laughs> I, have no idea. I think he's probably my age, possibly a slight bit older, but there's not an ounce of fat on the dude, man. It's my terrifying. Oh. But yes, it's so good. I mean, my respect for the man as an actor is huge, but him putting himself out there and doing this is, is even higher. I cannot wait to see the next season. He's going to do another season of ELMS, which is absolutely the right call, because if you look at people doing this for a career. Look at Michael Schumacher's son, Mick, coming through the junior formulae. He does two seasons in a formulae, doesn't really do too well in the first season, does way better and pretty much wins it the second time out. So while I don't expect Fassbender to win the the GTM class in ELMS season 2021, I do expect him to get more podiums, to be more consistent, fewer mistakes, because he's got the databanks filling up with what it's like to do an hour and a half stint you know what the car feels like as it changes balance, as the tires go. How to deal a bit better with the LMP traffic, which is clearly a thing that I think he struggles with mm. still, because he's only got a season one, and that that's what six races worth of experience. It's just not enough. This year. He's on such a fast track that it's unsurprising that you know he's getting into these things. Um, the last thing I'll call out about this episode is there's a brief clip of um, the pro driver. In the car as compared to Fassbender who comes in and he's had a bit of a stint, not a great stint. They cut to Rickard Leitz in the car and he's far busier. He's hustling the car. He's pushing it and correcting it and correcting it. And he's far busier and he's getting the time out of the car that Fassbender isn't. Mm. Uh, and that comes—that's just sheer confidence and experience. That's doing that, and I found that was quite a. They don't dwell on it or anything. I just happened to be something I noticed from the in-car when they switch to the pro in the car. He's—he's he's making it happen in a way that Fastbender just doesn't have the capacity and the experience to do yet. So I'm mm. really looking forward to the next season. This has been a real treat across the second half of the year. If you haven't seen any of them, then please go and watch them um, because they're—they're they're really. It's come on a step from season one, and I imagine season three, because of how well this season's been received, hopefully you know
0: season three will be just as good. One last thing before we move on to our main topic for the show. There was a story on Jalopnik just after we recorded our last episode, which are the most exciting car chases in films, according to science. I haven't read this. Tell me about the science, Chris. So... What some scientists did was they analysed the heart rate of 100 participants who watched the film's most exciting car chases and then ranked them in order. So they didn't watch the whole film, they just watched the car chases. And the surprising winner was Mad Max Fury Road, which came in first place with an average BPM of the viewer being 85. Now, 85 to me doesn't sound terribly high, but then this is science. So just to go through the top five quickly, uh oh, Woodley, Quantum of Solace is uh, is in there. That better be at the bottom. That's a terrible car chase. <laughs> um, the top ones, according to this, Mad Max, Fury Road, Fast and Furious 6, Furious 7, Ronin at 4, and Baby Driver at 5, which there's a number of those where you'd say, where's the car chase? Like, not because there's no car chases, but which bit were you watching to judge against? Because certainly Ronin and Baby Driver have got multiple bits in. Anyway, it's science. We can't argue with it. So if you want to be excited, I think the answer is watch Mad Max Fury Road. Which I
1: still haven't done. I think I actually have it on a 4K ultra high def um disc to watch but I was telling Chris just before the show my 4k ultra high def player has suddenly decided to stop working Uh, so I'm going to need to hope that Santa brings me a new one over Christmas anyway let's get on to the theme for this week's show and as this is the last show of 2020 we've gone for something nice and easy and (laughs) this comes from a text I received on New Year's Day 2006 Wow, And it was a text from my friend, Dell who sent me a thing totally out of nowhere saying, what episode of Top Gear would you show to somebody who's never seen the show before to explain what it's about? And I can't remember what I wrote back to him at the time. I was hung over to the back teeth and <laughs> I probably just went, Aah! but that has stuck with me and... I thought it was a fantastic question to pose because it is not what are the best episodes of Top Gear? Because you can do loads of lists of those. I could do like five or six different lists <laughs> and five or six different eras. But it is, what are the episodes that would you would show to someone who's never seen the show before to give them an idea of what is this show with three guys three guys and cars about? And specifically, we're talking about the the sort of classic Hammond, Clarkson and May lineup, uh, And you've got to get in there the kinds of things that go and make up that particular era of top gear so you're looking for things like three car challenges races um uh modifying cars these are the kinds you know to do things they're not meant to do Uh, those are the kinds of things that that are recurring themes in the show and you need an episode that shows the personality of the three hosts that shows the interplay to best effect of the three hosts. It's not necessarily what is your favorite top gear feature. Although I like of the episodes I've chosen. I like all of them. Um, but it's, it's a slightly different spin on the question. And, you know, we're, we're feeling lazy because it's the end of the year. <laughs> and we've killed our brain cells by watching far too much Fast and Furious. Uh, so this was my challenge to Chris. And I waited until today to put my top three in the show notes. And I was really, really pleased to see that there was no overlap between Chris's episodes and mine. None so at all. I am going to ask you to go first. Um, just because I've been talking and I fancy letting <laughs> you justify yours first, and we'll jump in uh, on on one another's. Uh, mm. But yes, I, I have many thoughts about all of these, but why don't you give me <laughs> the top three episodes you've chosen for someone who's never seen Top
0: Gear? So one of the things I found really interesting with, with this was if you said, name a feature, name one snippet of an episode – there's so many that spring to mind and as soon as you look at what is the whole episode like you realize how variable some of them are the first one that jumped to my mind was SUVs for towing caravans because and I will I will I will justify this now because I feel like now I have to um so this was an episode that started with a 9-11, there was a Singer review, there was Richard Hammond driving Lamborghinis very quickly and not on fire, and then you get to the meat of the episode, which was James May, Jeremy Clarkson have an airfield full of two-litre diesel SUVs, which are all basically the same, and they have to find a way to whittle it down and find the best one. It's a great pick, this episode. And uh, you, uh,
1: without going into the spoilery stuff, most of the choices we have are from slightly earlier in Top Gear's run. Uh, mm. So um, this is a good shout for one from the later episodes. Series 20 was in 2013. And this is hilarious from start to finish it's one of my favorite later top gear features uh, i can remember watching it and just laughing i'm pretty sure richard porter tweeted along with this He did, yes. because um he gave us interesting background facts uh, about the the nice landowner that let them drag a pair of caravans around his property leaving <laughs> bits of them
0: everywhere it's such a good episode he also tweeted things like Jeremy Clarkson had never been to a tip before, so when you <laughs> see him going around a tip finding a sink that somebody's thrown away that's brand new, he's genuinely just flubboxed about how this whole thing has ever happened. The, they all, have a good. There's got
1: another good Top Gear thing of the recurring gag yes. about going to the tip and throwing perfectly good things away, where they go to a shop and then they buy a bunch of things which are ostensibly for murdering people. <laughs> because they say that's what caravanners do another top gear recurring thing big thing on on not liking caravanners and the fact that caravanners are all weird um and then they buy you know like (laughs) a quick climb and plastic sheeting and axes and then they take it all to the tip and throw it away (laughs) this it's a great episode it's a good shout for an episode and to top it off the star in a reasonably priced car is steven tyler You know, rock and roll royalty. So (laughs) as shows go, that is a pretty good one. From what I seem to remember, it was a pretty fun series. Mm.
0: What's your number two pick? So my number two is the Brick Car 24-hour race. Because, again, looking at the whole episode, you've got the Ascari A10, which had that great moment. And I've just realised there's another episode I haven't put on my list. You can only have three. You've already got, you've got like six on your list. Yes. Um, oh yeah, like I've never cheated on this podcast before.
1: Yeah, but you're um, only going to talk about three. The others are honourable mentions. Fair anyway, enough. Anyway, continue.
0: So you've then got the BMX races going through Budapest with James May and the Fiat 500, which again is is that real sort of top gear thing of really well shot, interesting locations different people doing different things against the car like the rock climber up and against the Audi and all that sort of thing it
1: starts their whole thing of doing stupid reviews of cars almost where mm. it's ostensibly this could be a really dull and dry review of the fiat 500 but they've found a way of making it visually interesting uh, mm. whilst also kind of delivering a little bit of a road test but with a a, a childish yes uh, storyline running through it and and that is a, a tremendous feature of this era of top gear is the taking something that could be really dull and dry mm. and, and basically making it funny and interesting by being childish
0: which also reminded me of the the fiesta was it the fiesta st review that was yeah that was gonna i i can't remember if that's actually in
1: one of my my honorable mentions but i did look at that episode and think that was quite a, an interesting choice the mm. uh, the overly Extreme road test. <laughs> they only did a few of those. I think they only did a couple of those, but um, that was that, that's yeah. a good
0: episode too. But the, the brick car. Yes, I love the brick car challenge because it's one of those times that I think Top Gear is really great when something is out of their control. When it Yeah, is... they can't stage this. They can't yeah. make
1: things up. They can't control stuff. They can't script it in a way that sometimes they... Are accused of overly scripting things. See India Special, <laughs> uh, and sometimes uh, things just happen. And generally, mm. the the result of the things just happening can be better than the scripted stuff. I'm not saying always because quite mm. you know, scripted doesn't have to mean they're saying the lines. It can mean we've arranged for yes. a train for them to catch so that they get to the other side of Europe just in time for Jeremy to just be near them in a car when they're doing a race. <laughs> that's still kind of scripting it. That's arranging it. But mm. this it's a race. And yep. it's no secret that things tend to go wrong in Club races, especially for people who have never raced
0: before and are driving an old BMW 330D, <laughs> which, because it's racing, must have sponsor stickers. But because of the BBC, they're not allowed actual brands. So there's that great moment where they've got um, Penniston oils down one side, Larson's Biscuit. <laughs> So that when you open the door, it says Arse Biscuits. <laughs> no, no, it says Arse on one side and penis on the other. <laughs> and there's that one moment where they're building the car that goes, well, I think it's Jeremy Clarkson says, like, I hope we don't look silly. And they've just got the two doors open <laughs> with the words on either side. It also, again, has one of my favourite lines, which is, um, like, uh, Richard Hammond puts in, the, uh, puts in the driver's seat while Jeremy Clarkson is installing the fuel tank with a hammer. And... Uh, <laughs> Jeremy goes, uh, there's a problem here. It's like, what? Okay, imagine this is the race. And he, Jeremy tries to get into a seat that's in Richard Hammond's position. And uh, he, he, and he's like, he can't get his leg in. He's like, we'd have to get a saw. And Hammond goes, yes. It's like, okay, fine. I'll make it, I'll put in runners. I'll make it more boring.
1: <laughs> it's It's a great episode. And there's a joy in seeing how the race progresses for them you know drama at the beginning drama in the middle drama at the end it's mm. it's you couldn't have written it this way and hoped for a better result so that's a great shout
0: what's number 3 on your list i will go through some honorable mentions because i've got a couple so the first honorable mention is from season seven, which is the Veyron versus Cessna. Oh, interesting. Challenge. I would have th- that's because you'd got that on your list. That
1: might have been on one of mine because, as I said at the, the top of this feature, one of the defining sort of formats that they went to in this kind of mid period run was the race, mm. where. Clarkson is in a car and Hammond and May are on some form of other transport that is not a car. And of all of the races they've done, this might be the most ambitious because Clarkson is in a Bugatti Veyron and Hammond and May are in a Cessna 182, which James May is flying.
0: And they're mm. going from somewhere in Italy? They, no, they go from... God, where did they go from? Oh, I was going to say Nice. Somewhere nice.
1: south of France-ish, and they are racing to the top of the NatWest Tower in London yeah. with truffles. Yeah, with, with stinky things.
0: I'm surprised that you haven't put this in your top three because I'd say that's a pretty strong episode. Regardless, it is my my other honourable mention, which again near so nearly mentioned so nearly made it, was from series eleven, which was uh, the Nissan GTR review in Japan. The Daihatsu Terios doing fox hunting, but also it had um, James and Jeremy in their enormous old executive, not even executive, like dictator limousines. Um, if only for the bit where they're, they're comparing the last bills they got for maintenance and um, Jeremy gets one of his out-of-a-box file and so is James May and he kind of looked at it, but, oh, what? I misread that. Did they buy you a golf? Which, again, just... It's a bit too nerdy, I think, to be a good introduction because it is just two people indulging in their absolute passion. But I will, like the scene in High Fidelity, I will sneak in a modern classic into a list of golden oldies, which is from the very latest series of Top Gear. So this is Chris Harris, Paddy McGuinness, and Freddie Flintoff building an electric... Uh, All terrain ice cream van, which is also the episode where they had the insurance write-offs. So it's the humour's a bit different, but it's still that thing of building something preposterous, but also taking cars, doing something with those cars, modifying those cars, and then doing the Wall of Death drive with them, which is again is pushing them completely out of their comfort zone. It's completely. Um, taking them out of anything scripted and it is making it into something where they are just up against themselves in a challenge. And you get that thing like you do with Brick Car where the fear, the celebration, the jubilation is all completely genuine because they're terrified and they're doing something where actually they can't be presenters. They have to just do the thing. And I think of all the modern series, that's one that is both very very top gear but also is that if somebody wants to know what the new presenters like versus the old presenters that's what i would show them as a kind of a high watermark for what the new top gear can be as well
1: that's a good shout and you've 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 managed to like you say sneak in something very modern whereas i i have gone as far as the previous generation top gear present presenters with um Technically, it was Rory Reed, Chris Harris, and Matt LeBlanc, but actually it was just Chris Harris and Matt LeBlanc. And Rory Reid's just over here. <laughs> just in the background, occasionally being told to do a feature on some dull EV. <laughs> okay, so a good selection there, I think. Uh,
0: and you've got one final sneaking in, the Polar Special? The Polar Special. I think if you were going to say to somebody, here's a special that encapsulate again that Top Gear spirit we will talk about specials another time because there's a whole other show in there but I think for something that was just really I think a step into the unknown for them that challenged them was beautifully shot I think it was the first ever, ever episode of Top Gear to be broadcast and made available in HD that's right it's the first one
1: I think they shot in HD as well Mm.
0: But I think it has that mix of schoolboy humour when they're seeing what the effect of frostbite can be. (laughs) Yeah, the start stuff is very funny. Um, But then you get this very real sense where they're driving across a frozen lake and you can see both of them thinking, what do we do if the ice cracks and the car goes in? And also,
1: it's got the points where it's real where they're both getting frustrated with one another because it's mm. it's so inhospitable and it's cold and the car can't can't get over the terrain. Um, it's a good special, and it did spring to my mind, but um I have one that i that also involves snow that I would place much higher, which brings me on to my top three. I've got some honorable mentions as well, which I'll go through at the end, but my top three, by far and away the episode I would show to someone who's never seen Top Gear before to tell them what the show is about, what the presenters are like, is the Winter Olympics. Season 7, episode 7. It is the funniest episode of Top Gear by a country mile. I remember watching this the first time it was there and I was properly crying with laughter. There's moments in this that are embedded into popular culture now this is the episode where James May describes Jeremy Clarkson's approach to driving as booting it and shouting (laughs) which is so accurate and has become a phrase used with my friends and I whenever we talk about separate driving styles it's got all the silliness it's got, you know, Jeremy Clarkson eating yellow snow as a forfeit for losing one of the challenges. <laughs> it's them got them trying to paint a, a, a line with a spray can yes. on a ski slope where they keep sliding down. And honestly, I'm, I'm laughing thinking of it. And every, I've seen this episode like 10, 15 times. And I laugh every time. It's the start or maybe the start, might be close to the start of the thing of them modifying a car to do something it shouldn't. Mm. in that they take a mini and they jam some rockets in the boot and they launch it down a ski slope. (laughs) Again, beautifully shot, beautifully filmed, but the concept is something so fucking stupid (laughs) that you know they thought it up when they were in the pub and somehow
0: the BBC gave them money and they went and filmed it. And it was joyous. And what's brilliant as well is that there's so many good ideas and so much good execution in there as well. It's not like there's one gag that supports the whole episode. Like the biathlon bit they do, just seeing them trying desperately to do it and being really bad is funny. Isn't there an ice hockey one as well? Was it curling? There is. Well, this is another
1: one. There's the, they 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 race the jag. This is another sort of top gear trope of Clarkson taking a contrary position for comedic value where he insists that the two-wheel drive Jag XJ will be better on the ice than a Land Rover um, Discovery just because it's rear-wheel drive and therefore will look better and they (laughs) go onto the ice and he has a race with the Discovery where he's slower and then ends up dropping it into a snowbank (laughs) um it's got i think the second instance of them playing like football or you know a ball game or something with cars mm. where they do ice hockey with with cars which is full of hilarious moments and and proper violence it's <laughs> it is by far and away my favorite episode of the whole show but this isn't about favorites this is about showing someone an episode mm. of top gear and saying what is the show about it's about three guys at the cutting edge of cocking about in cars and there is no better episode for that. Agreed. My second pick is the from the same series. And Series 7 is a really strong series of, of, of top gear. Um, it's the supercar road trip to the Milau Bridge in the south of France. Oh, yes. Clarkson in his Ford GT. Uh, Richard Hammond is in a Pagani Zonda. And James May is in a Ferrari F430. Uh, and this one has a lot of the similar things this has got the thing of road trip Mm. which is you know top gear staple road trip in three supercars to somewhere interesting um they've they've done this a few times but this i think might have been one of the first and it's got loads of great moments the two presenters taking the mickey out of Clarkson's GT for having a thimble for a fuel tank Um, (laughs) the insistence that Richard Hammond has had his teeth whitened even though he claims he hasn't to the point where at one point they are stood on the edge of a, a mountain road and he insists that he hasn't had his teeth whitened and the sound editor dubs on some reverb on the end of it so it echoes down the mountain, which is a really subtle but hilarious touch. It's got James May's love of Ferraris and 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 his his hair whipping about while he's trying to drive an open top Ferrari is a source of great amusement, but it's the kind of the first episode where his his love for modern ferraris comes through and in fact i think he actually bought an f430 on the strength of driving one for this episode mm. um it's again it kind of goes without saying it's beautifully made it's amazingly edited the the vignettes they use in in season seven are probably a bit ott every single shot has got some kind of darkening around the edges and they use that kind of style slightly too much and on on the kind of it's overgraded yeah, on the filmed with a potato standard def that we <laughs> that we have of these, it does jar a bit, but it's still incredibly short, and it's one of my favourites because of all the things it has in it.
0: it one of my favourite bits in that, and it's one bit that I will watch in isolation quite happily, is when the three of them are driving out the hotel car park and basically snarling up a bit of Paris because their cars are just narrow enough to be able to get out of a hotel, but then too low to get off the pavement. It's a great moment. They milk it for all it's worth as well. And you've got Jeremy Clarkson on his hands and knees trying to crawl into a Ford GT. The the rest of the show's got um, some some great stuff in it. It's got the review of the
1: uh, bright orange Ford Focus ST which Clarkson dubs the Asbo, uh, and that has stuck to the point where it's turned up in, in other media. There's a series of books by an author called Ben Aranovich called The Rivers of London, which are excellent books, by the way, uh, where the protagonist drives a Ford Focus ST, which he just refers to as the Asbo. Uh, thanks to Top Gear and you know there's a great shot of Clarkson describing the kind of people who will drive this car by running up alongside the camera winding the window down and shouting Rooney (laughs) in a reference to Wayne Rooney who was a popular footballist of the time
0: and he also had the thing of um, had a box of filters and here's what we use when we're filming these cars and here's a grey one that that makes cars look moody and metallic and here's the one that we use for the for the uh, focus and it's the Burberry print yes a great touch it's also got the cool in it which is a thing that they they abandoned
1: for for quite ah. some time but it was it was a big thing in sort of early top gear the the concept of a wall with, with you know cars that are cool and sub zero and not cool at all and um, very uncool, and that was a a, a great little featurette. Um, and the last thing I want to mention on this one is it's got some great needle drops, Top Gear at its best, with the access to the full library of, of tunes that they could use because it's um, part of the BBC and therefore they didn't have to pay uh, the similar kind of licensing rights that you would if you were an external show, it meant that they had an enormous library of tunes to to draw from. And it's one of the things that distinguishes top gear from grand tour and other shows is that the audio choice and editing and work is the thing that elevates it so Mm. you know some i can't remember maybe it was it's the actually it's the veyron versus the 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 plane which drops stuff from tim burton's batman soundtrack Mm. which is like super dramatic tremendously Danny Elfman type stuff but it works to sell the drama of what you're seeing on on the on the screen Uh, and there's a really great needle drop of an M83 track um, as they're heading towards the Milau bridge that really gives you that sense of wonder and sense of scale and Top Gear at its best chose the best music and deployed it at the best times so that's my number two And my third one is from season 13, and I'm putting this in just because I like trains. Um, It's the race (laughs) to the north. I had to have a race episode in there. Uh, This is when they are responding to the possibly fictitious question about what Top Gear would be like if it was filmed in the 1960s, and Clarkson says, well, it's exactly the same. Uh, (laughs) And it's a race between the... LNER Peppercorn Class A1 Pacific Locomotive called Tornado, um, a Jaguar XK120, which was the fastest road car at the time, and the Vincent Black Shadow, which was a fast bike of the time. And this is glorious because Clarkson's on a steam train he's by far and away the least fit of the three i would imagine and he gets covered in coal and it's very uncomfortable may's driving the jag which is entirely befitting of someone of james may's kind of tastes and proclivities (laughs) and hammond's on the bike and it's it's a great entry in their canon of races but this episode's also got a fantastic review of the then new lotus evora where you know a car that isn't especially well-known I think outside of the UK and is, is more of a niche thing that if you if you know why it's good you want to buy it but it, you know so many people will go and buy Audi TTs and Porsche Cayman S's and it's got Clarkson singing the praises of something like a British underdog uh, and, and I really like that and it has possibly the best ever star in a reasonably priced car stroke guest Yep. Michael Schumacher, Disguised as the Stig. Uh, and there's a wonderful passage in Richard Porter's excellent book, On on That Bombshell, which we will plug twice. He's not paying <laughs> us, which is just a really great book, that talks about Michael Schumacher's time on the show and specifically this episode. Um, mm. And I won't spoil it. Go and buy the book and read it because it's excellent. But you know, just having Michael Schumacher being interviewed on that couch by Jeremy Clarkson and then doing an, a ridiculously fast lap um, in the Ferrari FXX of the time, which... I think cars have gone faster, but they haven't sounded as good. Yeah, um, good, good. That's duh. that's a a great episode, uh, and I'm I'm not just saying that because it's got steam trains in it. Um, <laughs> couple of honourable mentions season 10 episode 7 the British Leyland cars which always makes me laugh because there is a moment where Clarkson says which slovenly Brummy put this together No, which slovenly Midlander put this together and I'm from the Midlands and I find that funny um, it's got another thing where it that, that I don't know might be the source of the now probably played out line of the producers say that all British Leyland cars were rubbish and we disagree what, what that means is Clarkson thinks that they were all rubbish but would like <laughs> to make a program where he gets to show you how rubbish they are while protesting that they're not rubbish.
0: See also the um, the Robin Reliant episode in and around Sheffield.
1: Yes there's there's so many episodes where it's the producers have given us a thing or the producers <laughs> say that these are good or the producers say um, I, I really enjoy that trope uh, and for a, a more modern one probably not quite as modern as yours but one of my favorite episodes from the uh, Rory Reid Chris Harris and Matt LeBlanc era of Top Gear, short-lived though it was, is episode 24, season... uh, Sorry, season 24, episode 2, the US road trip in convertible supercars with uh, Chris Harris and Matt LeBlanc driving two blue supercars, Lamborghini um, Gallardo and a Porsche Turbo S convertible Mm. through four seasons in the USA. And I love this because it's... This plays to Matt LeBlanc's strengths of being an actor and therefore able to deliver a slightly high concept line and make it work. And that's the thing that the, when we go back to the talking about the grand tour um, with their sort of slightly overblown concept of going down for pirate treasure, they are not actors and they can't sell a line and sell a concept in the way that an actual actor can. And this has a sort of slightly silly concept of going through four seasons in, in one film throughout the U S and, and LeBlanc sells it. It's so good. It's it's one of my very favourite episodes from that era. But there's some other good stuff in that show as well. It sticks in my mind from for, for the just the joy those two seem to get from driving those cars and those things. It's got David Tennant as the star in a reasonably priced car. It's got Chris Harris drifting the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio, trying to repeat the BMW advert by drifting it through a uh, a pile of styrene silhouette with the cutout of the car in it that takes like three times as long as everyone thought it was and ends with him doing it in the dark it's a really good episode from that era in fact that series has got some good stuff in as well there's um there's a really fun and beautifully shot piece on the aston martin db11 uh, where they randomly disappear off into like bondland and um <laughs> Uh, Matt LeBlanc's Bond in the, Matt LeBond as he calls it, in the Aston and (laughs) Harris turns up in an AMGS class uh, as
0: Blofeld and it all gets very silly but it's so gorgeously shot. I do think that series will be one that is looked back on most fondly because there's still a rawness to it. I think Chris Harris was perhaps uh, i may be being unfair here but i think chris harris was kind of getting over the chris evans era finding his feet within the show but he worked so well with matt leblanc who going into it you went really joey but actually we all knew he loved cars yeah yeah Yeah, i think i think we kind of knew but he
1: he was so genuine so enthusiastic and so good at the studio links in a way that none of the three new presenters are even you know mm. McGuinness comes from Saturday Night TV so his stuff always feels like he's about to to tell a joke um and and Freddie Flintoff is not a natural at just standing up and reading from an auto cue or you know delivering lines whereas mm. LeBlanc's been doing it all his life and he just sells it and when he makes a mistake there's a moment of genuine sort of nudging of Harris or whoever he, he, I miss him on the show. He was so good, and I understand why he stopped doing it, but I, I really enjoyed his time on the show. Um, mm. And while I'm plugging that, the, the Bugatti Chiron race that he and Harris do um, across Abu Dhabi is another of their sort of two-hander classics where Harris is in the Chiron and, and Matt LeBlanc is taking other transport uh, and spends the whole time trying to invent a rhyme about the whole thing. <laughs> Yes.
0: Yeah, so good. So good. Yeah,
1: so good. So there's there's a bunch of episodes for you to go back and watch. You can catch most of the older Top Gear, I think, you can find on Netflix.
0: Um, so, I, I actually know this because, again, I was doing some research. Netflix have all the specials. However, they only go back to, I think... Think I haven't I, I don't know what the number is off the top of my head. It's around about season eighteen or nineteen. So the really early stuff they don't have. They just have the specials. Right, and okay. You will look at the listing and you go, Oh, but they've got this you know, it says season eight or whatever. It's like, yes, that's because it's got it's a special, it. special so you might
1: be able to get the Winter Olympics you'll probably be able to get the Polar Special but nothing else in which case getting the early episodes is going to mean either purchasing them from iTunes or finding some kind of hooky download which we, of course we don't condone absolutely <clears> not um, and the latest stuff I know for a fact that the um, the Harris LeBlanc episodes are still on BBC iPlayer and any of the new stuff like Chris's um, uh, building an all-terrain ice cream van that's definitely on iPlayer because that was only like a few months ago <laughs> Yes. Anyway, that's probably enough. Top Gear content, plenty to watch there over Christmas if you fancy going and having a bit of nostalgia. If I had to pick one above all of them, I'd say the Winter Olympics. What do you reckon?
0: I would also say the Winter Olympics, actually. I think that is a great, great place to start. Winter Olympics, the best episode to show someone who's never seen Top Gear,
1: if such a person exists. Right, let's get on to more pressing matters. What has
0: Henry Catchball been up to this week, Chris? Well... Depending on when it goes out, Henry Catchwell has been talking to the Auto Movie Podcast, which will appear in the RSS feed as well at some point. However, for Carfection, he's been driving the Volvo P1800 Resto Mod by Cyan Racing, which, if you couldn't draw a Volvo P1800 before, and I couldn't, it is a stunning car, Brilliantly updated by a Swedish racing team, who, if I remember correctly, were basically the people behind Polestar before Volvo bought Polestar. It's a Polestar colour, isn't it? This car. It's it that, is that lovely, not quite Mexico blue shade mm. with a yellow stripe, which I think was the same yellow that the uh, vol that the Volvo eight 850- fifty was sold in that kind of dusky
1: yellow. Oh, I love that yellow. I can't remember what it's called, but I, I've had a couple of Volvos, including uh, a, not an 850, I had a V70R, uh, which Chris and I will, will recall driving around the Nürburgring uh, many, <laughs> many years ago. Um, and it was called the Flying Wardrobe, but the yellow ones, the 850R, were known as Flying Bananas for that, <laughs> for that very reason. But uh, yeah, love those cars, and I, I really
0: enjoyed this film. It's a cream yellow, apparently. Cream yellow, really? I always thought it, of is. it was kind of a custody yellow, bit. Yeah. Uh, no, cream yellow, and the Volvo paint code is six oh seven. Um, never knowingly under researched. This is so, yeah. If you don't know the car, I think the car looks beautiful. I think the way that it's been brought up to date looks beautiful. I think they're about six hundred grand, and I want one. Of course, really quite a lot. Right. Just, let's move on to our YouTube picks, and I have something a little bit different. And it will appeal to a percentage of you. My pick is a wheel review of the Fanatec Porsche 911 GT3R podium wheel by Fanatec. The reason why I'm highlighting this is not because it's a particularly um, great car film. It's not a great car film. It's kind of car related. However, the... The reason why I like it so much is... This sounds quite mean. If you have no interest in sim racing, at least watch the first five minutes or so. Because it's from a channel called Sim Racing Garage. And what I'm about to say... This isn't a great introduction. What I'm about to say, I say absolutely with love and affection. And this is 50 minutes. on 50? 50-minute video on a steering wheel. The reason why I picked this video... Aside from the fact that it's a 50 51 minute video with has five minutes of actual driving at the end of it, is because it's the, not even real driving either. No, it's pretend driving. The guy who presents the channel is a guy called Barry Rowland, and he he has done so many of these videos with bits of kit and tearing them down and using them and all that sort of stuff. Um, but he's an older gentleman with kind of long hair. He has um, like a Madonna stage mic, if you know what I mean. One of those kind of that clip round your ear and... Yeah, yeah. ...is like really close form-fitting. And he has a voice like Handsome Dan from Wayne's World. It's all proper like this. Here I am with the new wheel from Fanatec. It's the nine eleven, But he, it's just his voice. And it's, it's just such a perfect little moment that I thought... I was watching it thinking... I have to share this with the world because it's just its just fantastic, the fact that the internet allows you to create 50-minute-long videos about a pretend steering wheel. I'm going to have to watch some of this. I'm not going to watch 50 minutes of it, but I'm going to have to watch some of this. But what's your YouTube channel? Uh, I'm going to cheat because the Smoking Tire, Matt Farah's channel, who do lots and lots and lots of great stuff, I'm sure we haven't... We're sure we've mentioned before, if we haven't, go and check them out. Matt does a series, uh, he calls One Take. So these are, he gets in the car, drives it for sort of 15, 20 minutes and posts the video. What he's been doing recently is Porsche have shipped over five GT cars to the US, taken them to the LA Porsche Experience Centre, and Matt's doing a series of videos of the of each one of these cars, so he's done a whole video on the 996 GT3 RS. He's done a video on the 997 uh, four liter, and a lot of these. Well, certainly the 996 you couldn't get in the US. So it's it's his literal first impressions. Go and have a look at the Smoke Entire channel. Go and watch these because it's really interesting having somebody going through all of these cars that are iconic on a circuit, so you can kind of rev them out a bit and you can put some load through them. And it, Matt's just really, really good at getting into a car for the first time, remembering the facts, talking about the experience, and they're just really enjoyable. And there's going to be five of them across five of uh, Andreas Preuninger's best GT cars. It's interesting. Matt Farah is a much better car reviewer than I think a lot of people give him
1: credit for oh God, because yeah. he can be so outspoken on social media and in his podcast and so on. I think people forget that the man knows his onions mm. and, and he's driven an awful lot of stuff and you should listen to what he's got to say. You you kind of forget because of his slightly brash on-screen persona sometimes, particularly in the podcast, that he's a great writer and a great assessor of cars. So yeah, definitely worth a watch, definitely worth a listen to his podcast.
0: We should also just talk about, quickly talk about Matt Farah, the Vin Wiki. A uh, video that he's been put up recently, with him talking about an ex business associate and a um, Ferrari four hundred and thirty Scuderia, for two reasons. One, again, it shows how great Matt is at telling a story, because he's just fantastic at that and two for his Chris Harris impression at the end which is yeah which I texted Chris about going
1: Farrah does a pretty good Harris at the end and he does he does a fantastic Chris Harris impression at the end and we'll we'll link that one in the show notes that's that's not actually my video pick for the week Uh, My video pick for the week is something I sent to Chris that I think I just randomly saw on YouTube, which is the none more black Mitsubishi Evo, where somebody paints a Mitsubishi Evo in a paint that makes it suck in all known light (laughs) to the point where it looks like someone's photoshopped the car. Now, they don't show a great deal of this, but it's just the weirdest thing. It really is Just strange. Just go and watch the video. I can't really say anything more about it other than go and look at it and think, what the hell did you do that for? And why would someone make a paint like that? (laughs) Um, But there we go. Uh, And my channel is Gordon Murray Automotive because they've... um, This is a very new channel. There's like six videos on it. Um, But this is basically where they're showing vlog episodes of the build of Gordon Murray's new T50 Super Hyper Wonder Car. And... It's being presented with Dario Franchitti, you know, four-time uh, IndyCar champion, IndyCar, uh, Indy 500 winner, um, and general well-known petrolhead. He's done commentary for Formula E. He's, he's generally a good guy, although he wears some questionable clothing choices in these videos. Um, like I think t T-shirt uh, tucked into jeans, that's not a good move. Even if you're as fit and trim as Dario is, it just
0: looks wrong. If you've won the Indy 500 and raced an MX-5 at the Race of Remembrance, I think you're allowed to wear whatever you want
1: that's fair um but this is it's it's a bit more lo-fi than you might expect from from these i think they're kind of possibly finding their feet but if you want an insight into how a supercar is created from the ground up practically Mm. uh, there's some really interesting insights in here and i can only assume that dario has his name down for one of these cars (laughs) because he's getting such astonishing access so yeah if you want to see how the t50 is being made and what makes it special and different from all the other super hyper mega cars out there then check these out because i think you're getting more than those little walk arounds where everyone was kind of kissing gordon murray's ass hmm. this is a little different there's still a bit of ass kissage because people don't seem to be able to resist doing that when gordon murray's around but is <laughs> there's some really interesting insights in here and with that that brings us to the end of 2020, the last episode of the Autumn Review Podcast for the year. If I could beg you to go and give us a nice review on your podcast repository of choice. If you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends to come and check the podcast mm. out so we get more people listening in 2021. That would be ace. Thanks very much yep. for listening across what has been quite a trying year for everyone, I'm sure. It is. And, and
0: uh, I think I think at one point this year we weren't sure when there was a, if there was actually going to be any car content to talk about.
1: No, I can recall like mid, I don't know, April, May, where we're just thinking it's getting very thin on the ground <laughs> at the moment. We're going to have to go straight into the, the, the film choices. We're going to run out of films by the end of the year. But fortunately, yeah. people keep making stuff and we keep talking about it. And although we did waste several episodes talking about the series that <laughs> shall not be named, um, <laughs> we have managed to cap off the year with some refreshing retro top gear content Mm.
0: and also if you have enjoyed the podcast this year tell us and tell your friends which has been your favorite episode which have been the films that we've highlighted that you've enjoyed or which are the ones that we got utterly utterly wrong
1: and then we'll disagree with you Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I'm off to go and grab my bag of many things ready for Christmas. (laughs) We'll see you in 2021.
0: Have a good Christmas, everyone, and we'll see you next year.